What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, here's a little story I've got to tell about three bad podcasters you know so well. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And, uh... You just you don't dig the BC boys there, Lauren? No, no, I, I do. That that was that was lovely. That Thank was you. terrific. Thank you. Uh and we want to talk a little bit more about big data. You know? Uh we talked about uh, data. Big data. Uh, it's okay, I'm gonna use both pronunciations. Uh, data. Okay, fair enough. So <laughs> big info. Uh no, big data, because we're all t- we are talking about computer information here. And not the Android from Star Trek. Not the Android from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh just get that out of the way. So we're 
we wanted to talk more about applications. Uh, what what different organizations, companies, governments are using big data for? What they're mining out of this huge amount of information that we are generating every day. Now, you may remember in our last podcast, we said that we're generating about 2.5 quintillion bytes of information per day, and not just humans, but you know, sensors, things that are uh, indirectly internet of things. Yeah, Internet of Things, stuff that's connected to the internet that we're not directly inputting data into. And for those of us who missed the last podcast, what's the difference between this paradigm of big data and just, say, a lot of data? Big data, is we're talking huge, huge, enormous amounts of information. When we're talking 2.5 quintillion bytes, that's half of all the spoken words that humans have uttered since the dawn of language. So we're talking about in two days, you generate as much information as all the words we've ever spoken ever mm-hmm. of all the people. So there's this issue of volume, but also uh, these characteristics we talked oh, about yes, last time, yeah. like uh, velocity yes. and variety. So it's not just the amount of data, but it's interacting exactly extremely fast. We're, we're gathering and, it at, a, at an incredible pace. I mean, you're, you're gathering data at an unprecedented pace. And you it, are and it's rich and intense and everywhere. Yeah. And it's all different types of information. And also there's a fourth V that we can mention, which is veracity, veracity, which is the quality of it the information. Truthiness. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we're going to tell you some strategies that people use with big data. Uh, uh, it does mean truthiness. I mean, it means that the data is essentially high quality. Right, yeah. Veracity is really kind of their way of saying what, how good is your information. And sometimes you don't know how good your information is because, again, you've got a, a lot of it. Until you analyze it, you don't really know if there's anything useful there. Uh, IBM is in the business of uh, of leveraging big data and, and helping other companies leverage it. And, uh, and, and they say very clearly on their website and in their white papers that the important part here is that you have to figure out what your goal is before you start just looking at big data and saying, we need to be part of this. Because whatever your goal is, that's going to end up informing your approach to using that information in a way that makes sense. Otherwise, you're just talking about an enormous resource that may not be directly useful to you. You're just kind of, Looking at it and thinking, I, I I want to make use of that information. I just it's too big a problem for me to even get a a, a grasp on how I want to use it. So uh, you can't just run at it and say, "Give me some ones and zeros. I'm going to make magic happen." You have to have a plan in place first. But I bet a lot of really clever people have figured out really cool stuff to do with this information. Sure. Uh, in the last podcast, we talked a little bit about traffic analysis, which was a very kind of, you know, you know, it's an easy to understand application of big data, right? So let me give you an example using uh, Google's approach. So the way Google would generate traffic on Google Maps, if you were using Google Maps on a, a mobile device and you wanted to try and get from point A to point B and you wanted traffic to be part of that, that equation, that route, then what it would do is it would start looking at information of other Google users. Uh, there are other systems that use this, uh, the Dash system, which doesn't really exist anymore, but uh, it used a very similar approach where it would send anonymous data about vehicles that were moving through a particular region 
and the speed at which they were moving. It was just sampling the the a vehicles via, via GPS. Yeah, sampling the the vehicle's location. It would get the GPS coordinates, and it would just sample it over a certain amount of time and derive how fast that vehicle was moving down the street based upon the information. Right, saying, okay, well, it was at this point at this time, and then it was at this other point a little bit later, and this other point a little bit later. Therefore, that means traffic is moving at this speed down this particular street. And then it, it, it extrapolates that, sends it out to everyone so that you know which routes have the heaviest traffic. Right. Now, the, that's the, smart. Yeah. It's, it's a very simple approach to big data in the sense that it's just taking real time information, analyzing it and sending the results back very quickly. It's not storing information. It's not trying to be transformative with the information. It's just trying to make sense of all these different pieces of information that are coming in and then making it uh, meaningful to the people who are using the service. So that's one example. But that's just one. You can actually see some pretty interesting patterns when you get huge amounts of information. You can see patterns where you might have thought there was just chaos before. So you, you can look at a system that you might say, well, from the outset, it just looks like stuff is happening. But now when I see all this information that's broken down like this, I can actually see trends where before I just saw stuff. So uh, education is a good example of this. So let's say you're a teacher mm-hmm. and you're teaching a class and uh, you have – uh, your class is submitting schoolwork in a, into a system that can then analyze the schoolwork. So you're grading the kids. You, you might actually just be inserting the grades into the system. In fact, it may not have any connection with the kids directly at all. You might, might just be the teacher in the system. The system would be able to, if you're using a very sophisticated approach, be able to start detecting trends in each individual student's progress. So you might be able to say, oh, while while student A isn't failing, the trend indicates that the student is beginning to struggle. So I need to adjust my way of reaching this student so that I, I'm not leaving the student uh, without any support. Oh, I, I wonder. So would that involve comparing uh, little signals with millions of other students? Like if we, we've seen that when these things start to happen statistically, that means like we're heading towards failure. Uh, it would mean that. It would also mean that on a larger level, you might see that an entire classroom is having some issues, which would tell the teacher, I need to change my approach. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, this, this concept that I've tried to teach, obviously, uh, this has not worked out. So I need to find a new way of, of getting this across in a way that makes sense to my students. Or perhaps help an entire school system figure out how to, um, how to grade and test better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know how, if you take a survey uh-huh. um, and your survey has just a hundred people in it, well, it's probably not very representative of the entire population. But the big no, but you can play Family Feud, right? If you have a thousand people, it's better. If you keep increasing your sample size, your statistics become better and better at representing stronger sure. trends that right. you want to look for. And th- this is the the same thing you'd see. It's why big data is great, right? You're, right. You're increasing your sample size, right? Yes. As you increase that sample size, then you can actually start to recognize things that are truly trends and not just a one-off Right. You know, They're less event. likely to be anomalies. Yes, exactly. And yeah. this is tracked a lot, in, um, uh, especially in consumer segments. I mean, you know, like every time you buy something on Amazon, it, it collects a, a little group of other things that people who have bought that thing have also bought in case you want to buy that thing. Right. Um, and, and can be very useful, not just for not just for that 
basic, you know, like we want to sell more stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, well, and, with Amazon, sometimes it's creepy how how on spot it is, or it's creepy how not on spot it is, and you wonder if there's something you don't know about yourself. No, my my favorite <laughs> my favorite is that if you start to find the products that are on Amazon that have the ridiculous reviews, like the ones that are just, you know, it the product itself is absurd for the some reason. The banana slicer or the or, uh, or, big yeah. pens for women. Or the gallon of milk. <laughs> the right? gallon of milk, there, yeah. There are, there are examples of products that are on Amazon <laughs> that people have written like novellas in review and the novellas are hilarious. Like oh, yeah. you'll get to a point where it's like it's like a soap opera that opens up and it's this whole thing and then the last line will be some throwaway review of the product or whatever. And it's it's... I mean, I love it for the absurdity. What's interesting is that the related items always tend to be the other ones that have similar ridiculous reviews, because which means so that even then right. always tend to include horse mask, horse head mask, <laughs> you know. Yeah. People like you bought this thing. Right. But at any rate, I never that's get just... that, Joe. <laughs> that's <laughs> I wonder if you click on that, if you also get like the Godfather as a suggestion. You've seen horse head mask, right? I've yes. seen horse head mask. Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, I've used the internet, so okay. yes, I have seen it. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that is another example, right? Amazon uses this in order to make more sales because uh, it, it you know, the thought is, if you are interested in this one particular kind of product, then you're probably interested in these other products, especially if there's a history of other people having bought those together, or at least you know, bought them at some other point in their in their history. And and then you can you can start pouring that information not just into what are people going to buy next, but into uh, why are people buying this thing and start tracking things like flu outbreaks. Right. Okay. So this, this was is cool. This yeah. is this is one of those things that I thought was really uh, an interesting example of using big data in a way that you wouldn't necessarily first think about. This was something that Google uh, wrote up a white paper on. There's actually a full paper about Google using information to detect influenza outbreaks. And the way that they did it was they essentially found search queries that people were putting in that indicated that someone was feeling sick, especially things like various symptoms and stuff. And then by relating that information to specific regions in the world and seeing multiple people requesting this information from, say, a particular city, they could say, this looks like this is an outbreak of the flu. They said that there was a reporting lag of about one day. Wow. So a day after a, you know, a, a, a large enough sample size of people are looking for this, Google could say there's a potential flu outbreak in this very specific area of the world. Maybe we need to, you know, by alerting something like the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, they could say, we need to head this off before it becomes some sort of pandemic. Right. Which basically says to me that that, that because of Google and, and big data, we're going to be able to uh, pre- prevent the inevitable zombie but outbreak. Exactly. The, the scary thing is we'll probably never even find out about it, right? Be- because of <laughs> well, stuff like this, they'll to, get to the government before the public knows. No, you, there there has to be enough queries of dead uncle trying to eat my face... <laughs> 
for at least a few people to take notice. And that yeah, would, and if that would, you happen to be checking Google Trends on Dead Uncle, no, Ate but my that would face. trend on Twitter I have a Google too. Alert. It would trend on Twitter long before. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the well, Tumblr alone would be. But this crazy. is funny, actually. Google Trends is a great, really st- simple, really straightforward example of how big data is really interesting. Yeah, like uh, looking at um, the popularity of a search term over a period of time. I mean, it's so cool. You can get lost in these vortices. Of oh, just, yeah, watching the spikes yeah. when, you know, different movies or books or cultural events happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like or, when Kanye West does something embarrassing and immediately shoots to the top. Yeah. <laughs> One I yeah. love is uh, when you can look at the historical ones because the, they have every book ever written, right? Sure. They've scanned that in and then they can. <laughs> when you say historical ones, I just sit there and think like. Uh, bad play, my American cousin. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm thinking like Google trends throughout the centuries. No, no, no. You can look at, you can look at, uh, like back to 1800 in the books they've scanned, right? Right, right. Um, and you can, you can chart changes in spelling, right? Yeah. You can compare, uh, spelling a word one way versus spelling it another way and watch one go down with while the other goes well, up. One uh, one data artist that I'm going to talk about in a little bit uh, created a graph of um, the use of, of hope versus despair. And in recent Whoa. years, just, just watching the times when, when despair overlapped hope. Interesting. That's beautiful. I can't wait to talk about that. Well, and, and you know... Well, let's talk about some other... Uh, applications? Yeah. Well, I was going to mention that, you know, when you think about it, Google... Google's mission statement is all about big data because Mm -hmm. they're about organizing the universe's information, which when you think about that, you know, they they want to index and organize all the information everywhere that we ever encounter. That is big data. That's that's as clear as you can get. You will be assimilated. Yeah. And so the fact that they are able to demonstrate the usefulness of this proves that the the uh the utility of their company, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise, if if all they did was index this and there was no uh, uh, actual useful, useful output, yeah, yeah, then you'd be like, well, this company's just not going to stick around. So, besides education or predicting a flu outbreak, you can actually use it to monitor cybersecurity and check a network's health. So, if you see a spike in network activity, you can check it out and make sure that it's not a DDoS attack, a distributed denial of service attack, so that a hacker hasn't said, hey, this website has raised my ire. I shall direct my zombie computers to attack it. Um, you know, being able to see that kind of stuff and respond to it in real time is really useful. And you obviously need to have a robust robust system to deal with a lot of information because it may just be that it's a, a heavy amount of traffic for completely legitimate reasons. So that's another uh, implementation of big data. Uh, it's also part of what they're talking about when they talk about the smart grid um, for electrical electrical companies to uh, yeah. be able to get energy to the right places at the right times and prevent brownouts and blackouts, um, system overloads. Uh, people have talked about using um, tracking the number of UPS packages sent to track how well the economy is doing. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely heard about the smart grid stuff. I mean, there are a lot of, of utility companies that are running at close to full capacity. And being able to, to see where a demand is going to be at any given time means that you are reducing the demand on any individual power company because they can all work in concert together. And that way you don't have these, you, you reduce the possibility of a brownout or a blackout. Um, 
so, I mean, that's clearly important, but that is a lot of information. You're constantly getting feedback from all the different uh, meters, essentially, smart meters. And even if you get down to it, you can have smart appliances that are very specifically giving both you and the network more information about power consumption. So that's all also important. Weather forecasting, another important part. Talk about uh, gathering all the information from weather sensors around the world and looking at that information and detecting patterns because our forecasting abilities don't know if you noticed. Oh, not so great. Sometimes it's hilarious because when you think about it, we have so much power and technology devoted to predicting the weather. And sometimes we're still so wrong. wrong. It's the such other, a complex the other system. Night, the other night, the hourly weather on online was telling me 0% chance of precipitation. We had a storm that was knocking limbs out of trees. It yep. was like you couldn't see 10 feet for the rain. Yeah, yeah. And it's hilarious when you take a look and say, wait, they forecast 10 days out? How <laughs> how reliable is that 10th day? They're, they're um, 100% wrong about what's happening right now. <laughs> well, and beyond that, you have things like uh, uh, fraud detection and also governments can use big data for tax collection purposes, looking mm. at trends in, in taxes and the way that people are paying taxes and maybe comparing the way people are paying taxes versus what they supposedly owe in taxes and finding out if there are big gaps there. Because right now, the way it tends to work is it's after the fact, right? People file their taxes and then a certain number of those taxes, tax uh, uh, reports are picked to be looked over in more careful detail, and it's only if they start to de- detect a, a pretty uh, significant pattern that they'll look at any individual's taxes specifically, unless you're part of some political controversy, which we won't get into. But this big data thing would allow you to take a look at a much larger scale and focus in on particular problems, uh, as opposed to just hoping that the sheet of reports that you just pulled from the printer includes people who are not paying their fair share. So I've got a question. Yeah. Now that we're talking about the government uh-huh. using uh, big data to predict near-do-wells and... Uh, I think I see where this is going. Yeah. Y'all seen that movie Minority Report? The documentary Minority Report? <laughs> yes, yeah. I have. Well, okay, so I want to explain a little bit. In that movie, they've got a, they've got a division of law enforcement called pre-crime. Right. Where they, uh, now in the movie, it's kind of, they've got these like psychic yeah, things. Yeah, pre-cogs. But, but let's just say, replace the psychics with really, really, really powerful computers. Right. That look at trends. A pattern recognition. To make extremely accurate predictions about what's about to happen. Sure. I can definitely foresee a future where it might not be all that impossible for computers to predict when somebody is very likely to commit a crime. Well, could I can I can tell you, let me give you a little more little more insight from my perspective. I I don't know that we're going to get to a point where we're going to be able to predict when a, a specific individual is likely to commit a crime. We can definitely get a little more probabilistic, you know, right. sit there and say what is the probability of any person at any given time to commit a crime. Um there are some things that we can say. For example, there are law enforcement agencies out there that are now using big data in order to predict crime trends. So not a specific person, not saying, you know, you. yeah, yeah, ne'er-do-well Johnny today is going to knock over the liquor store. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that. What they are doing is saying, 
looking at this big data, I'm seeing this trend where this particular part of town tends to be uh, a target for vandalization and burglary. Let's say those those are two crimes that often and there could be tons of factors, you know, based on weather or right, right. So apparently, things like burglaries um, kind of go in rashes. Yeah, that's another thing is that if a place is hit by uh, burglars, then there is there tends to be a a increased risk of the same thing happening in 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 that same general area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if there's a successful burglary attempt in one particular home, for example, other homes in that neighborhood could be also. prone to being hit by burglars. So that's one example that law enforcement can use. They can use it as a reactionary thing, saying, all right, well, because we know this, we should end up increasing patrols in this area for the time being so that we can discourage any other crime or catch the criminals before they're able to hit another uh, another house or another business. Another thing is that for crimes like burglary and vandalism, those are crimes that generally go down when you increase patrols. They they are considered low intensity but high frequency crimes. So if you were to uh, adjust patrols so that there is a more frequent patrol of police through that area, you reduce the likelihood of those crimes being committed. And by using big data and, and, and really analyzing where these crimes are taking place within a city, you can redraw patrol routes so that police are taking – the most efficient patrol they can, so they're, they're not having to patrol an area that's way larger than what they're capable of doing in a in a given shift. And you also will hit the areas that are most likely to be targeted and help reduce crime that way. You're preventing it from happening. So you're not going out and arresting someone for a crime they haven't committed yet. That's n- not the same thing at all. Uh, but you can help uh, uh, attack those sort of crimes. Things like murder... Much less, you know, much less prone to any sort of pattern that you can predict. It's that's something that's a, a high intensity but low frequency crime, as opposed to low intensity, high frequency like vandalism and burglary. So they don't tend to take that kind of crime into consideration when they're looking at this big data in this sense, other than to uh, perhaps say that you know this particular area of town needs to have a stronger police presence in mm-hmm. order to help. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with sample size. Yeah. And uh, like in Santa Cruz, California, police use this approach to in, uh, identify homes that were more likely to be hit by a burglar so that they could redraw their patrol routes to take that into consideration and prevent that from happening. Now, when we do talk about criminals and the likelihood of someone to to commit a particular crime, there is some statistical evidence to suggest that people who are who have committed a crime are uh, more likely to commit another crime than someone who has never committed a crime. Like the there's like a 40 percent recidivism rate. But part of that is due to the way that we handle criminals and how we try to reintroduce criminals to society. So it may not be that people just have this statistical likelihood of committing a crime again once they've already done so. Some of it's institutionalized. Oh, right. It's a social construct, not a personal propensity. Right. So therefore, well, you know, I mean, that wouldn't it wouldn't be the issue what the cause was. It would just be like that you see a trend. Well, and- no, there's an issue about what the cause was, because if you can treat <laughs> the cause, then you remove the oh, to- the I, percentage. I'm not saying you can. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm saying that criminals matter. And Joe, you're just throwing them away. <laughs> 
I mean, I think, I, I think you know, you no, I'm talking about how, what, what the cause was wouldn't affect how how how, how, how you well you could predict it. Exactly. It'd just, it'd yes, just be yes. like. Yeah, we see trends. I, I was I was teasing Joe, but we were very clearly talking about two different things of the yeah. same problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and and what is scary about all of this is the thought that someone could say, well, all of all of this is is reactive in looking for this kind of crime, and why can't we be proactive and well, and, and getting <laughs> getting into that scary yeah, minority report? That's what's creepy. Territory. Yeah, and that's sure. and and I think I mean I'm not saying that we'll never get to a point where we. Where, where statistical models won't give at least, again, a probabilistic approach of how likely is person A to commit a crime versus person B. And you take everything into account and you compare that against all the information you've ever gathered and come up with a probability. That's probably going to happen at some point. But I don't I, think that we're ever going to act on that. I'm just saying that I, I think uh, if a computer can predict that Jonathan Strickland is likely to buy a horse head mask, it can also probably predict that Jonathan Strickland is more likely than the average person to uh, rob a Jimmy John's. You know. But this what, is, what, this what is terrifying I, how accurate you are. <laughs> but there's a Jimmy John's within walking distance of this office. What we should always keep in mind is even if computers are that good, we shouldn't ever let that prejudice our approach to Jonathan Strickland. Um, because yes, he may don't. very well not buy a horse head mask, and he may very well not rob a Jimmy John's. That's true. I, that was my point. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, uh, so while, while Minority Report definitely had this sort of scary science fiction-y approach to, you know, the... Uh, stopping people, bef- arresting people for crimes they had not yet committed but were going to commit, uh, and and they you know they had the benefit of having psychics <laughs> who are apparently infallible, yeah. except they're not. When you watch the movie, uh, spoiler, uh, yeah, for a movie that's that old, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Anyone who's listening it's to this also podcast, based on a Philip K. Dick book, that's, yeah, that's, that's even really older. Old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, I don't think anyway, we're ever going to I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where big data is When used to- pre-crime comes up, vote no. Right. Write to your representative, <laughs> say no to pre-crime. Two, two things you got to vote no on. Vote no on pre-crime and vote no on giving artificial intelligence the right to vote. Those are the right. two things yeah. you need to make sure. Big deals. Yeah. Those are two big strikes. Okay. Lauren, can you tell us something happy? I can. Well, okay. So so part of what uh, p- part of what is scary about all this data is that it's really hard for us to understand what's out there, what we're generating, what it's being used for, and what all that looks like. I mean, because, you know, like we were talking about, like at a certain point, we're like, oh, sure, a, a quadrillion, what's what's the number? It's a lot. 2.5 quintillion? Like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a one with 15 zeros. Oh, after oh it. all right. Um, that's, that's a lot of zeros. And that's a lot of zeros. And um, and there are a uh, group of data <laughs> artists out there. Are you giggling at my No, I was just thinking, like, that's more than a dozen zeros. <laughs> That is more than a dozen zeros. Thank you, let's, Joe. Let's not let Joe talk anymore. <laughs> Take the axe away from Joe. I haven't been touching it. Please, <laughs> please, please go on. Um, there, there are a group of data artists out there who are um, working to to put all of this into some kind of meaningful and and also culturally meaningful unit that that we can process and um and there there's there's one particular fellow by the name of Jared Thorpe who used to be the data artist in residence at the New York Times and uh has as of I think December or January of uh 20, 2013 um gone off and founded the Office for Creative Research as as it's being called a, a company of his um and and he he posits that that this data art is going to help people 
understand what all of this data means and what it's being used for. Um, huh. and, and he's got some really interesting just personal projects. Uh, that he did a TED Talk that's that's pretty pretty terrific. Um, or you can you can see, you know, he's he's taken. Twitter data from from people saying good morning and putting it into this kind of gorgeous bouncy map of of just of just tracking when people are waking up and saying good morning to Twitter. Yeah, wow. he also uh, shows what time they say good morning based upon the color of the block that appears. So if they say good morning earlier, it's a green block, and the later they say good morning, it goes into the reds. It goes into the reds, and so the, he also could show trends that way, like around the world, showing trends of when people would say good morning. And uh, in general, it looks like the West Coast wakes up at around 11 a.m. <laughs> and the East Coast, we're early risers, not only because the sun gets to us first, Wow. But because the West Coast is sleeping in. It's all those actors who say good morning <laughs> at 2 p.m. You're an actor. But, That's true. I am. But I get up at, you know, five in the morning. The trick is you don't say good morning. No. You're just a grump. Yeah. No, you go, I coffee. I hate everyone. That's pretty much me. But what so, time so do that's you a, tweet I hate everyone? That what what time when am I not tweeting that I hate everyone? All times of day. So so that's an interesting example of data visualization. Right, right. And 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 that's that's what they're working for is that visualization of of getting something down to a graphic scale where we can go like, "Oh, that's still way too huge for me to comprehend, but at least it looks kind of pretty, right. and I get it now. No, yeah. I can um, totally see that how that would help people understand what data means. Yeah, um, he, he was talking about in one um, one talk that he gave at PopTech, I believe, um, about about how people have been saying that data is the new oil, and and how kind of grandiose <laughs> and lovely that sounds for a second because people are thinking like oil, oil is money, money is good. Yeah, the world um, runs I'm an oil, oil. man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but 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 at the I'll same time milkshake. how how terrifying that is in a certain way because because oil for for you know a very specific example has been a resource that has been so misused and is so poisonous and in a certain caused way. global instability and caused terrible global instability and war and and all of this but um and that that you know similarly this data could be used um or misused rather for uh, you know, not very good purposes, like like we were talking about. But if we, you know, if, if if we use these kind of resources, and by resources I mean people who are processing this, um, to get away from all of the the capitalism. Not that capitalism is terrible, but 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 using this data for the greater common good. For the so greater... things like predicting influenza outbreaks mm-hmm. and being able to respond quickly before it becomes a pandemic. Uh-huh. I mean, clearly you're talking about benefiting potentially millions of people. I mean, we've seen flu outbreaks affect millions oh, of, of course, people. And yeah. if you're able to respond fast enough so that you could contain that, then that would be an obvious you know benefit to everybody. So yeah, that's and that's just one example. There's some that are more like, well, this makes my life easier, the traffic stuff for example, but sure. even in even in the bigger scheme, if you talk about traffic, that seems kind of trivial, you know, all it means that I don't have to spend, you know, extra time sitting in traffic. That also means you're spending less time running a gasoline-powered engine. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you have an electric vehicle or whatever, but And the 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 stress levels which relate to your to your heart rate and health, yep. um the your productivity at work. If, yep. if if you could get everyone in Atlanta to work in half an hour less than they currently spend on the road, 
I mean, we would probably just be looking at pictures of cats on the internet anyway. But um, but either way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree entirely. So there are, and you know, I like the I like the artistic vision of showing this as a way to demonstrate. This is just one way of looking at the information, and uh, and you know the the ways that you've heard of are just the tip of the iceberg. We haven't even really explored the full uh, extent of what we can use this data for. And, mm-hmm. and in some cases, it may be truly transformative. We won't have to necessarily reinvent or or invent brand new technology to make the world a a better place. We may have all the tools already. It's just in that information. We have to figure out a way of using it. it. Yeah. yeah. And, and part of that is getting people interested in this field and uh, creating a culture around it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, that's awesome. I, I mean, it's I, I've only seen one of those uh, those examples. I saw the, the good morning example for Twitter. It was a, a spinning globe and all the little uh, pop ups of showing where people had said good morning. Um, it also made me feel better about my tweets because I don't, I don't tend to you say don't good, tweet morning. good morning. No, I don't. No, I also don't. Lavar Burton does. Is is Lavar Burton not good enough for you? No, Lavar Burton is good enough for me. Um, you know, I, I, I like to he take. Was a, I like to. Best, he was data. He was data. That was terrible. Yeah. He was data's best friend. I was about to say. Uh, what was I the? I was just the worst next generation fan. <laughs> <for the> second, <laughs> guys. Well, sorry. yeah. Okay, so Lavar Burton can say good morning. That's fantastic. Okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't have enough followers to say good morning. I do occasionally quote half of a song lyric. Here's a there's a shock just to see how many people who follow me know what I'm quoting and see and who, say who the will. Rest back. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you know the end of the sky is blue and all the grass is green, my heart's as full as a baked potato. You let me know. All right. Well, uh, I think that wraps up our discussion about applications of big data and and what we're using it for. And again, it's just kind of a hint at what big data will be used for. And while, yes, there are certainly examples of how companies, governments could abuse big data in a way that are legitimately scary, there are also some truly amazing uses that could be very beneficial. So I don't think we should shy away from it because of the uh, the possibility of things being used in a scary way. We just need to be aware of it and be and make sure that we don't go down that pathway because the benefits are too great for us just to ignore. Well, of course, it can go either way. I mean, it's elemental. It's knowledge. And yeah. knowledge is power. Yeah, it's a tool. And, you know, a tool is it, it's going to be used the way the person who's using the tool wants to use it. So, Like, like a drill. Like a drill. So nice or so, so not nice. You really hammered it home there. We're oh, just going to oh dear. I'm just going to end here. Guys, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or you want to tell me the end of the song lyric I quoted, write us. Let us know. Our email address is fwthinking at discovery.com or go to fwthinking.com. Check out our blogs. Check out the podcasts. Check out the videos. We've got some really fun ones up there. I think you guys will really like it. And uh, we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.